Persons under 18 will not be admitted. Every 10 or 15 years, a film is produced that is so overwhelming, so forceful in its impact, that it becomes deeply embedded in the mind. Hi, this is Maurice LaMarche, and uh, that name will mean nothing to you, nor the sound of my voice, unless I become the brain from TV's Pinky in the Brain, or Calculon, the star of all my circuits from Futurama, oh, he is a bottle, so from Futurama, and you are listening to Still Toking With on the Dorkening Broadcast Network. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a fabulous, most incredible, awesome episode for you. And I, you know what? I, I don't know what to say. Uh, but anyway, Benjamin, how's it going, bud? It's going well. It's going well. Fabulous, most excellent, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, you can't be nothing but super excited for tonight's guest. Right, right. I mean, we've been doing this now four years. We've had a ton of awesome guests, a ton of legendary guests. And our guest tonight, I am putting in that legendary category. I'm super psyched to chat with this guy. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jeff do his thing. So we can, <laughs> so we can get to the show. Jeffrey. Happy Wednesday. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually coming live from we're in New York right now, which is really weird. You know, back in, back here in New York. Uh, but no, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I grew up actually listening to this guy most of my life. Hmm. Imagine that. Never even knew his name. Now I do because he plays, he plays so many different characters. You know? Yeah. Right. Like that gummy's kicking in already. You prick. Um, yeah. So let's just bring him in, Maurice Lamash. Welcome. How you doing? I'm well. I'm doing well today. How about yourselves? We're doing we're doing very well. Like Jeff mentioned, we're back down here in New York at Diamond Production Studios, doing a little work with Mr. Diamond, and um, yeah. But super psyched to have a legend of your caliber oh, on our show tonight. Gentlemen, yeah. that's you're being too kind. I'm I'm a lucky working actor. I'm just. Uh, I showed up mostly on time for 35 years and, uh, you know, just just did my very best to uh, have fun, create characters, try to make the people in the sound booth laugh. And, uh, you know, I've been very lucky not to be out of work. There was one period, six months in 2009, where I didn't, you know, I didn't have a single job. And I was sure the career was over. <laughs> and other than that, um, I've just worked, you know, it's just for me all about doing good work, but you know, I've got to, I've, I've got to say that it's been behind the mic most of it. And I've got this little film coming out that uh, 
right. I'm, and I'm, I'm acting on camera and it's great. So before we get into this little film that's coming out, how was that transition for you going from being behind the mic in some of the biggest roles out there to being on screen? Well, okay. For me, I mean, I'd done some on camera early in my career, uh, but then for me, it just turned out voiceover was, you know, you go, you go through the open doors as they say, and, mm -hmm. and voiceover was it, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I started up with uh, an, an episode of The Littles and an episode of, uh, of uh, the Wolfman Jack cartoon show, Wolf Rock TV. And then suddenly found myself on Inspector Gadget as the chief and working with Don Adams and and then uh, into real Ghostbusters where we did, I think, 106 episodes as yeah. Econ. And um, Dr. Egon Spangler collects spores, molds, and fungus. And then... Um, <laughs> You know, and that's just one thing after another, after another, job to job and just, you know, uh, not giving up on the business and just mm -hmm. bringing bring bring my best. I just always made sure I insist on having fun and I insist on making sure that people on the other side of the glass, because I can't hear them laugh. I have to make them laugh demonstrably so that I can see them going. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's really what it's been for me. Um, and one job has led to another, to another. And of course, there have been high points. Um, um, certainly, Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Mm -hmm. been high points. Rama, mm -hmm. real high point. I, I actually managed to win a couple of primetime Emmys with that show. And, and um, uh, The Critic and Disenchantment and... Uh, you know, these are these are shows that are really well written, and uh, that's really for me the the great the great thing is to get to do great writing in animation with these, you know, Harvard geniuses who, and we even had Harvard geniuses on the new Animaniacs. That the, you know, Wellesley Wild took a cue from The Simpsons and, of course, from Family Guy, and recruited directly from the Harvard Lampoon. So we have very smart writing, uh, and we have smart writing on the original show too. Right. Uh, you know, Gordon Bressack, uh, Peter Hastings, Tom Ruger, uh, Charlie Howell, uh, uh, John McCann, Sherry Stoner. These were uh, really brilliant people. And, uh, you know, to come up with the characters of Pinky uh, and the Brain and basing them on two writers, Tom Minton and uh, Eddie Fitzgerald, also geniuses, um, you know, was, was inspired. And we just we turned them into mice and and uh, luckily, I never heard Tom's voice. So when they drew him, he looked he looked much more dour than Tom comes across. And I thought they've drawn an Orson Welles lab mouse for me. They know I do Orson Welles, right? And, uh, so you know, and and then Brain was born. One of my all-time favorite cartoons. I'll tell you that right now. Pinky and the Brain. What just yeah, I I um. I loved it. And now I'll, I'll sit down and rewatch it because you can find it on like Tubi and some of the other channels like that. I'll go back and rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. And, re it. Uh, and my wife will come in and she's like, really again? I'm like, yes, it's funny as hell. Oh, thank you. You know, you so much. It's, it's true. There, there really are very funny episodes. Uh, and yet, you know, it's, it's, it's not just joke driven. Those characters are lovable. Even brain who are, uh, Oh, thank you, John. Um, 
those characters are endearing and their relationship to each other is something you want to watch, you know, because you've right. got, you've got, uh, you know, Pinky who just loves the brain, will do anything to help. And you've got Pinky, you've got Brain who cannot admit that he also loves Pinky. You know, right. that's his struggle. So, you know, he's, right. he, uh, he, yeah. he likes to put up a front that he merely tolerates him. But the truth of the matter is he'd, he'd step in front of a bullet for Pinky. Right, right. I think they need to bring it back for just one more, maybe full-length movie where they actually get to take over the world. You know, just let them have the world for a change. Mr. Spielberg, are you, Mr. Spielberg, are you listening? Oh, yes. Never know. He might. I would love a movie. I would love there to be a movie. My fear about making a movie, though, is that they will uh, celebrity stunt cast mm -hmm. and there will be Peter Dinklage and Russell Brand as the brain and Pinky. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I have, um, I have a great uh, attachment to the character. Nobody else has ever played him. I've played him from episode one. Right. And one day I, I'll, I'll either retire or die and, and, and they'll bring it back and somebody else will have to play it. And that's, that's, you know, that's fine. I just, I can only hear me doing it. Wouldn't it wouldn't be this. It wouldn't he, be the same. He's, he's mine. No. You know, a lot, a lot of Bugs Bunnies. There have been a lot of Daffy's. There have been, but when I listen to a Mel cartoon, and believe me, the people that are playing them are my friends. And, you know, I've done my best to step into Yosemite Sam, but nobody plays those characters like Mel. Mel right. is the not only the original, but I think the best actor to play all those characters. This is right. really about, this is an acting job where we forget about the hair lighting and makeup, you know, and the memorization, which to get back to murder anyone, Murder anyone, uh, yes. Murder anyone? Because if you just say murder anyone, he sounds like a really indiscriminate serial killer. He'll just murder anyone. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even Lecter had standards. Eat the rude clarice. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I had to find that skill set again. I had done some on camera early on in my career. And, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, something I had to go and rediscover. You know, standing in your key light, learning. You know, to that. If I look at this eye, I'm this eye, and I'll go back and forth between the two eyes. People won't know who I'm looking at. Are they loose fuckers? If I lose fuckers, so you know, I got you know all those, all that stuff. And one of the jokes I had on on set with James James Cullen Bresag was. Am I using my hands too much? What do I do with my hands in this scene? I hand acting. I don't want to do hand acting. And he was like, "You're fine, Maurice. You're fine. Just put your hands down. Relax your hands." You know. And I've known James since he was four years old. Right. So you know, I'm not saying there's any nepotism involved here, but um, Gordon, his dad, Gordon Bresak, was one of my best friends, and uh, we met on Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs, and then. He created a show called uh, 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 Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys, probably the most underrated show, uh, animated show of the 90s. Good science fiction. Right. Really, you know, DC Fontana wrote a script. I mean, we had, we had, we had uh, you know, Michael Dorn and we had, we had Malcolm McDowell. Wow. You know, we had, we had real heavyweights from the science fiction world, um, you know, on the show. And, um, you know, we were... Um, we became fast friends. We had a, we had an interesting matching level of cynicism 
And so our humor, we were, was very similar. And so, um, and yet we were both cheerful men, you know, and, st and I, you know, I, I, I'm still a cheerful guy, but I have just enough, uh, really, you know, is that what's really going on here? You know, that's kind of my, <laughs> so, um, but Gordon uh, was a lovely guy and a dear friend. And, uh, you know, he wrote three plays. I was there for the opening night of each of them. Um, and Murder Anyone was the last play he wrote. It works really well as a, pl as a play, although the transitions are a little tough. Because as you, you guys seen, have you guys seen a screener of the film? I wa got to watch a little bit of it, but we've been on the road since Saturday. Okay. So, right. so it was, what, yeah. the, movies, the movie involves a lot of cutting between the reality of the two writers trying to write this thing mm -hmm. and what they're writing. And the comedy comes from the fast transitions, you know, and on right. stage it's really hard to achieve mm -hmm. that. So, um, you know, and of course the comedy comes from the bizarreness as they just take you further and further into the realm of silliness, you know. So, well, we do have the trailer queued I, up. So would you like to introduce the trailer? We'll let Leo run it now and we can run it again later in the show for everybody that may join us later. In a world where one man runs a trailer of a movie that's dropping February 7th on many streamers, one man alone can press the button to run the trailer. <laughs> No matter how secure you are, how safe you feel, danger could be right at your shoulder. Are you going to write any of this? I wrote plenty. Plenty? You wrote Act One. Okay, okay. Richard enters. He's a pleasant-looking chap with a perpetual grin. He's dressed in tennis clothes. Murder? Anyone? Isn't it a little early in the play to show that Richard's a psycho killer? Well, it does take a bit of the pressure off, doesn't it? Wait a second, what is that? Someone in a chicken costume? Why is it someone in a chicken costume? This is where we reveal that something is going on that the audience didn't realize. There's something going on that I didn't realize. You'd like to murder me, Blaine? We can't have a psychic. I am Mary Clemens. I am blind. I've been summoned. By whom? The dead. Oh. This play could be our meal ticket. Hachacha! Let's go, Cooper! This is the final straw. Murder? Anyone? Kung Fu zombies and Marilyn Monroe, and now a vampire? You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, that was that, looks, that awesome. looks fucking hilarious. Yeah, it does. It yeah, it does. That looks it hilarious. Is. Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm glad I got the screen link still. So, you know, maybe we'll have to connect that to the TV tonight at the oh yes at the at the house and see if we can get it to stream so we can Please. watch it. So um, we did we we we've had a ton of comments coming in, but um, we did have a couple questions. Yeah, um, so, one, one yeah. of them. Uh, what was it like working with Frank Welker on the real Ghostbusters? Well, I, Frank and I, as I as I was kind of running down, you know, my, my sort of the beginnings of my animation career, uh, Frank was beside me uh, on uh, Gadget, and really gave me, um, you know, Gadget was my my uh, 
my undergraduate work and uh, real Ghostbusters was my my uh, beginning of my master's class, you know, the master class. Frank was both a mentor, a teacher, and and of course, uh, a friend and comrade. I actually knew Frank before I got into cartoons because he was friends with Howie Mandel. And, uh, you know, if you ran with Howie's crowd, just it was, you know, fun pranks and and, and all kinds of uh, great stuff. And, and a game called volleyball. And that was it's volleyball at an indoor squash court. And um, and so Frank and Howie and a bunch of us would play volleyball. So that's how I got to know Frank originally. And he just kept saying, you know, because he comes see me at the comedy store, you could do this, you could do this work. So uh, Frank was very encouraging. And I found out after I next started auditioning that he had been talking me up to animation casting directors for a year. This is a guy who like, he could, he could hoard every job to himself, but that's not who he is. He's, he, he is generous and, you know, believes that when there's somebody bit more right for the job, he recommends them. And, um, you know, I was, you know, he was welcome. He welcomed me in as the new kid on the block. So it was phenomenal because he taught me so many things about technique, about, about mic technique and, you know, uh, how to physicalize without making any noise. Um, you know, uh, so many things, how to, how to turn a page without blowing a take. I mean, little things that sound trite, but they are the reason that Frank Welker, uh, you know, it worked as much as he did, just so expert and made everybody else's job easier and knew how to create characters. And we talked about character creation all the time. It was great, great experience. And plus getting to bring and maintain the characters of Ray, Egon, uh, Winston, and Peter, you know, and, and keep them alive between the two pictures and even beyond that. It was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dear, dear man. And still to this day, at 72 years old, still playing Freddie, you know, wow. with, with the same voice, you know, he's been since 1969. Wow. Of course, he has literally no bad habits. I, 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 as far as I know, Frank doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke. So he's got nothing, right. you know, hurting the, the membrane down here. You know, right, right. Those are, those are the big killers. That is true. So um, th there was another comment that came in, but I want to put that. No, that's the question. It was before that, Leo. It was from uh, Brill, Brill Pro. I got, <laughs> I, I got it. So. Oh, Brill, thank you so much. That's very sweet. And, and I think what a curmudgeon he is. Uh, brain, you know, to, he still gets he still gets under you know under your skin, right? Uh, you know, like asbestos. <laughs> no, um, he's, he's a, yeah, yeah, he's he's dear to me too. He's like my son, you know, my right. obsessed son. Uh, so. you, you keep on uh, throwing out these these awesome impressions, but uh, isn't that how you got your start? Was doing uh, impressions? Uh, yeah, I was. I, that was my 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 stand up was all me being like the you know the the eighties rich little on speed. You know, I mean everything was rapid fire, but yeah, I could I was really good at transitioning from character to character. I used to do a run of of uh, characters talking amongst themselves on a mock up episode of Fantasy Island. If anybody remembers that show? Nice, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, which was inspired by Sex City Sketch, much along those lines. I just decided to cast it with all celebrities. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of my specialty is, you know, the transitions, which served me really well on The Critic because sometimes there would be runs where I was talking amongst myself for three or four pages. 
Um, so yeah, um, you, you know, yeah, I started as a mimic and uh, then learned from Frank the technique of sending two voices into the transporter and having them materialize on the planet as one person. You know, that, you know, that, that, that kind of reverse of what happened to Captain Kirk when he split into one who couldn't make a decision and one who was, you know, wearing eyeshadow and trying to get into, you know, Nurse Chapel's, uh, uh, you know what. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> Captain Kirk canceled in the 21st century. Luckily, that story took place in the 23rd century. When canceling is finally over with. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I, I don't want to hog all the questions. So it's, uh... Well, no, we have more in the chat. I and mean, I'm okay with that. This is why we do this live show is so that our viewers and new viewers and hopefully even more new viewers interact with amazing guests such as Maurice. I mean, le legendary voice actor here. I mean, I uh, saw that you had Tommy Chong in the opening credits sequence and Kevin Conroy. I mean, these were two people that I've gotten to work with uh, over my over my career. I got to work with Tommy in, uh, in uh, Zootopia. And yeah. uh, that was great. I mean, I've admired him for years and years. And, uh, you know, we, 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 oh, we recently brought back Mr. Big. Uh, right. My Zootopia in Zootopia Plus, and I got nominated for an Annie Award. Or, Very nice. Uh, yes, which is the uh, Animated Film Society. You got nominated Hollywood. for what? An Annie what? Award. Annie. Okay. Annie. Okay. Thank you. Annie. 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 Are you okay? Um, it's the it's the Animated Film Society of America Award. ACIFA is a French uh, acronym for the you know society society animated That's how good my French is, but. Um, yeah, so that's that'll be on February twenty fifth, and um, you know, it, it, uh, but it's, it was really fun to bring him back, Mister Big. He's a great character. Well, wow, I mean, so so with um with with murder anyone uh, and getting back in front of the camera, do you want to start doing more of that? Do you have plans to do more of that? You know, I I toy with it. I think about it. I mean. I, as I watched the film a couple times, and, and I, I actually picked up four best actor nods at wow. the festivals that we we, we entered, um, and I was I was like, well, geez, maybe I should do this, you know, maybe I should go after some on camera work. I I've done some, you know, I've done I've done some things in the last couple of years that got a little notice. I did a a, a Clio winning um, a commercial for uh, Xbox. Uh, it aired in. Uh, they're mostly in England and on the internet, but I played a pompous British announcer, uh, you know, trying to sell the game, and uh, and uh, it was fun to be on camera for that. He, he was a great character. He actually became a voice you could put on your uh, on your ways. Um, so I was I was on people's ways for a few months, uh, five years ago. So I think about it. I get and I, you know, uh, I might I might pull some scenes from this, and some scenes from a movie I did called Witness Infection. It's another zombie movie, but it's a mafia zombie comedy. Uh, zombies seem to figure uh, heavily in my uh, in my career, and uh, you know, just just put together a little reel and see if anybody bites. Why not? Right. Acting is acting, whether it's voice, you know, voiceover, and you're just in the studio. But it, certainly, memorization was a huge part of uh, doing this. I, you know, that's not something you need to do. So, 
So, so, so talking about acting, uh, I saw that you have a couple episodes of, and I, it looks like you're doing a voice on it, but it's live action. Uh, you have a couple episodes of uh, Yellowstone coming up. No, no, no. IMDb lied again. Damn it! <laughs> what did they really say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I am bastards. IMDb no, says you got two episodes of Yellowstone coming up. No, that's not. It could be Yellowstone. Maybe he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Maybe I've been cast and I didn't know. Yeah, it says uh, Yellow, Yellowstone really? 2023. You're doing the voice of Etno Polino. Oh, they must be. Oh, okay. Well, then it, I'll, I'll get a check for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, if they reuse anything I've done. You know, uh, I remember there was a there was a movie where the character is uh, uh, watching uh, watching Pinky in the Brain, and I, occasionally I'll get a little I'll get a little residual check for that. But I guess Etno Polino is a character I played in um, a show called Space Goofs in the thousands, and uh, he sounds like James Mason here now. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's the scientist of a group of misfit uh, aliens who find themselves in a hiding out in an apartment. Uh, it used to be called Room to, Room to Rent. And, you know, they're just trying to get back to their planet. So uh, maybe he's on it. Maybe it's on in the background, which is fine with me because I'll, I'll get a check. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's uh, two episodes. So, uh, yeah. Very, very cool. cool. Very cool. Kevin Costner must really love Space Goose. I know. I know. Have you, have you seen Yellowstone? I have. I have. I, I, I haven't. I, I watched about the first four episodes of season one and then. Yeah, you know, it, it just you know what it was. I found, and I don't mean to burn the show down because I don't want them to edit me out. Uh, that's all right. We'll we'll change it. We'll turn to some other cartoon show. Oh wait, Lamarche is on that one too. All right, wait a second. How about nope, Lamarche is on that one too. Damn, is there a cartoon show in the nineties? Lamarche wasn't on. So, um, yeah, but they weren't that good. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I just found me. I want to like at least one character on the show. And I didn't find anybody likable. <laughs> so, I mean, I only got four or five episodes in, and I was like, I don't like anybody. Uh, so it's hard for me to watch shows like that. Yeah, it, it, it's like a Sons of Anarchy. You know, it's everybody's... It wasn't one way. character. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you, you, need that, you need that character to tie into. So. Right. Yeah. If you're going to like a show. So you got you got to like you got to associate and feel good about at least one character. But some people I love that. Some people are, yeah, some people are. Uh, that seems to be the new way, and people get behind these shows. God knows the ratings are huge on Yellowstone, and it's you know prequel shows. So right. maybe it's me. That's that's that. In my day, we watched television when the characters were relatable and likable, and had a struggle that you could. Can you recall any characters that were maybe a bit more difficult to get into? or find a voice for, John Running asks. Uh, that's interesting. And thank you for getting me out of that bit of improv that was going nowhere, John. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> see, I, I was enjoying the improv. Right? <laughs> and it, see, John asked a question, but Leo's the monkey behind the keyboard that brought it up on the screen too early. <laughs> that's all right. Um, tough to get into. I had a character in a show from the, uh, from the 80s called The Popples. The popples, the popples were a toy 
that were basically based on the idea of, you know, how you take your two socks and you fold them in together mm-hmm. and then do that. Well, that's kind of what the popples were. They're like a sock. And if you unfold it, there's a cute little face inside and it becomes a little doll. But you you take the, the bottom of it and fold it over itself. And, it, and so they pop and become your little buddy. And there was a character I had to play called PC Popple, which stood for pretty cute Popple. And he had to have this really high-pitched, ultra-sweet, and John Running loved the Popples, and that's probably why he's torturing me when he asked me to recount it. Um, <laughs> ultra-sweet character named PC Popple, and his voice was way up here, and he was just so cute and squeezy. And, and, and I was not allowed to play him with any kind of irony or sarcasm. He had to be as sincerely sweet as could be. And, and Marsha Goodman, who was uh, the voice director who discovered me and who uh, shepherded me through all real Ghostbusters and all of Inspector Gadget and the Pablos, she would say, we can hear that you hate him. Do it again. Make it freaking cuter. God damn it. So I had to go back and be PC and not sound like ironic at all. We hear you hate him still. Go back and do it again. You know, so it was a, that was a struggle. That might have been, of all the characters I played, and believe me, I got vocal strain from several of them, including Yosemite Sam, who I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the tough character to play because I really had to bury any and all disdain that I had for the ultra cuteness cutesy wootsiness of this character so yeah yeah the, uh, 80s, had the 80s had some weird cartoons you know it's, uh... well the 80s had uh you know suddenly you could make make a show that is technically a half hour long commercial yep for toy yeah and you know it's it's reverse engineering and you, you you made the show fit what you wanted your sales numbers to do and uh it's not a great way to write, you know, and it all starts with the script. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's how we ended up with the Wuzzles. The Wuzzles, the Popples, anything, any L-E-S. Right. Yeah. Well, yep. you, well yeah. you described the Popples and you literally, it sounded like a sock puppet. It's exactly. <laughs> and out of all your roles, which done, which one do I treasure the most? I don't make a big secret. of. I mean, I love especially my characters from Futurama, one of which, you know, led me to, well, two of, two of which led me to primetime Emmys. I, I actually have two Emmys for my work on Futurama. So I love Lur, ruler of the planet Omicron, Percy I-8, and, and I love clams, clam, bam, and damn. You know, these characters have been good to me. But I have to say if there's one, it's brain. You know, the brain from Pinky and the brain. Is like a, is 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 you know it's he's my he's my it's my kid like I said earlier right I just feel so attached to him. Um, I didn't realize you played Toucan Sam for thirty seven years. Yeah, I just recently lost the gig just before just before lockdown. Um, uh, in fact, I went in to do an episode of uh, a, 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 a dramatic podcast called Carcerum, which is winning awards all over the place. Um, you know, if you if you like if you like serialized podcasts, look up Carcerum, C A R C E R E M, and um, I uh, 
I actually get to introduce Cameron Crowe. And Cameron Crowe plays Barabbas, the biblical character who, who is uh, spared instead of Jesus. Um, but uh, I, um, I went into, the, went into that session and, and Bill Holmes, the director, said, listen, I, I hate to tell you, but I just, got a, I just got a call to start casting for the new Toucan Sam. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, listen, 35 years. Nice run. Why do you get all resentful and grumpy? 35 years. I did follow your nose. It always knows. Kellogg's Fruit Noob cereal. And I'm still Toucan Sam in Canada. They haven't changed the, the box yet. So right. I'm, still, I'm still older, you know, because they wanted to go with a young actor and make Toucan Sam more relatable to the kids. So he's, he's their age. Whereas Toucan was always, uh, you know, Paul Freeze's Toucan Sam and then mine, I, you know, that I stepped into when Paul died. Um, you know, it was always the uncle. It was like your uncle, your fun uncle who took you out flying and had your nose dive into fruit rings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> think of that one, you know. But um, come on, boys, let's go to Glitter Island. You know, yeah, okay, Glitter Island, Uncle Tuzan, whatever. So, yeah, what, a, what a run! I mean, that's a long time to right. have, have a job. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, have you ever eaten Fruit Loops as a child? And as an adult, you know, as a, as a kid, you loved them. And as an adult, they paid for oh. your house. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So Brill Pro asked, was there any animated series that you wish you would be in? Um, you know, I've gotten to do most of the shows that I, I really love. I, I have, I did not, I have not gotten to be in any of the Star Wars shows yet. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, so that, that's, but I think it might be that the powers that be over there see me as a comedy guy. I don't know, either that or I'm off their radar completely, but I know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I've, I've not been able to even get an audition for any of the Star Wars shows. So I would like that. That, that would be kind of fun. But I've, I got to be, I mean, I've got to be on a, on a Batman. I never did a Superman, but I did do a couple of episodes of, uh, you know, uh, the Batman, the animated series. Um, I finally got to be part of the Star Trek universe officially with uh, Lower Decks. Uh, mm -hmm. I had one line, but it doesn't matter. I'm in there. I'm in the Star, oh. in the Star Trek canon now. Well, also, uh, you took over for DeForest Kelly in uh, the video game. After yeah. He, uh, uh, was it Dark Just no, not uh, something Justice is the title, as I recall. Yes, I did, but they never released the game. I, but I did, I did step into. Uh, the role of, uh, of Dr. McCoy. Yeah. Why are you going over there, Jim? There's nothing over there. It was like I had a phone book worth of cues, you know, because you played as one of the characters. So um, yeah. Yeah. I had to uh, say all kinds of things if you're playing as Captain Kirk. It was it was an interesting it was an interesting thing. It wasn't mocap, but they stayed very tight on my face because they wanted to animate. But I think it was uh, abandoned. Uh, they, they never quite released the game. So, uh, I, I think they missed the mark because uh, you, you would have been a perfect voice for Grogu. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, wanting to be Star Wars. That We don't know who voiced, uh, who's voicing Grogu yet, but we'll find out this season. Is Grogu speaking yet? Is he uh, he's, he's supposed to speak this season coming okay. up. Okay, good. Well, and as I said, I don't know what it is with Lucasfilm, but they, uh, 
They just, I shouldn't say I've never been able, I've, I'm in Star Wars, The Old Republic. I play a character named uh, General Val Suthra, who is a member of the same species as, uh, as uh, uh, um, Admiral Akbar. So okay. I, played him, I played him as Gene Hackman. Oh, no way. General Val Suthra, the greatest criminal mind of our time. No, actually, he was a very honest character. But these here walls, will you shut up, please? <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm having a blast. New West Coast, my West Coast. Costa del Lex, Marina del Lex, Lutherville, Otisburg. So uh, to me, those did, did. I use, I think a lot of, uh, with Pinky in the Brain, I take a lot of my cues from uh, the Gene Hackman, uh, Ned Beatty relationship in Superman the movie. You know, that to me was the perfect, you know, in, in uninformed idiot and informed idiot. Is, as you know, right. as brilliant as Lex Luthor thought he was, it's a really stupid plan to blow up, you know, one fifth of the United States. You know, and how smart could he be to keep an, a moron <laughs> around? You know, so I loved, I loved their dynamic, and part of, part of what, part of what I tried to emulate with Pinky in the Brain was based on that. You want to see a long arm, Otis? You want to see a very, very long arm? Oh, yeah. Uh, what was it like to voice Mr. Freeze? That's a great character. It was a cold, cold experience. Do not think this makes us friends, Mike, for asking that question. <laughs> um, well, you know, I started with um, uh, I started yeah. with a different voice, believe it or not. I, <clears throat> I, I the voice I auditioned with and they booked me on was a very um, you know, it was was not raspy, but I thought. Here's a character who lives at sub-zero temperatures and who I thought in the initial accident that made him Mr. Freeze, maybe his vocal cords got frozen. So so I, I read him with a very whispery and, and gravel, a lot of gravel in his voice, but also a lot of menace. And I thought, well, Kevin, God rest his soul, Kevin is doing a gravel, you know, his own gravelly thing as Batman. And they thought maybe that's just too much, you know, too much scratchiness on the screen. And Michael and Sarah had just gotten sick and was not up to playing Freeze. They would have used him if they could. But um, so um, they suggested that I somehow make it my own, but pay homage to, don't do an impression, but pay homage to what Michael had done with, uh, with Freeze uh, for, the, for Batman the Animated Series. So... It, came, it sort of came somewhere in between those two things, and I lost a lot of the rasp. But you know, he he had a cold, a cold, cold heart. Unless he was thinking about his wife Nora. You will bring me Nora, or you will die. So I had to play the obsession of that character to save his wife. So it's a noble mission. But in the interim, I have to be somebody who ignores the fact that he kills a bunch of other people. Who's Families probably loved the security guard number three as much as he loves Nora, you know. But that's the that's the key with playing a psychopath. You have to play them as though they think they're right. So uh, I was wondering, do you um do you walk around talking to yourself a lot? Yes. Guess what I hear you. That's because I will just try any any sound, any vocal effect. I make these little. These little pops and, and, and goofy sounds, and and uh, you know, I'll just sometimes reach for something, and go, 
<laughs> you know, I'll just practice my Popeye, you know, bending down to pick something up. <laughs> okay, Fred. You know, I mean, just these little weird sounds come out of me all the time. And if I hear somebody interesting talking in a group setting, I'll, I'll actually just, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the British accent. All right. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll be like Siler. I'll be like trying to saw open the top of their head. You know, Siler from Heroes. You yeah. know, and 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 understand their mouth placement as they as they're talking. You know. So, and we still have a bunch of questions and comments oh, yeah. coming uh, in. Um, but before we ask any more questions about his amazing career, we are here to promote a movie called Murder Anyone. I so, like that you go up on the end. That you're honoring the comma and the question mark because if you, you've done a couple of other podcasts, then if you the, the, the host will say, "Your new film, Murder Anyone." I said, "No, no, it's Murder Anyone." Because if you just say "Murder Anyone," you sound like he's like a really indiscriminate uh, serial killer. Like he'll just murder anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. murder anyone. Even Lecter had standards, you know. Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> So um, yes, murder anyone. So murder like we anyone. said, like we said at the beginning of the show, um, we're here promoting murder anyone. We do have the trailer. We ran it earlier in the show. We're going to run it one more time for you folks. Maurice, would you like to bring the trailer in for a second time? One man opens the trailer with his stomach and a, and a paddle ball, but that man. With that man rests the fate of the world, of the movie, of murder, anyone. Watch, watch the trailer. Enjoy. <laughs> no matter how secure you are, how safe you feel, danger could be right at your shoulder. Are you going to write any of this? I wrote plenty. Plenty? You wrote Act One. Okay, okay. Richard enters. He's a pleasant-looking chap with a perpetual grin. He's dressed in tennis clothes. Murder? Anyone? Isn't it a little early in the play to show that Richard's a psycho killer? Well, it does take a bit of the pressure off, doesn't it? Wait a second, what is that? Someone in a chicken costume? Why is it someone in a chicken costume? This is where we reveal that something is going on that the audience didn't realize. There's something going on that I didn't realize. You'd like to murder me, Blaine? We can't have a psychic. I am Mary Clemens. I am blind. I've been summoned. By whom? The dead. Oh, this play could be our meal ticket. Hachacha! This is the final straw. Murder? Anyone? Kung Fu zombies and Marilyn Monroe, and now a vampire? We say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. That's awesome. Can I just can I just give a shout out to to uh, to Christos Andrews and Galadriel Steinman, Charles Charlie Howell, who was Gordon Bressack's real life partner. And, you know, I think Gordon based a lot of the struggle that the two writers have on real arguments they might have about character. I mean, they they work together. They work together beautifully. But as any writers will, any writing team will have these little these little fights about the character motivations. And everything. it's so funny. 
Charlie was um, Charlie was was uh, we, when we finished the run of Pinky and the Brain. I went to uh, a friend of mine who was taking acting class. He said, uh, ah, "There's a buddy of mine in my acting class. Says he worked with you, Charlie Howell." I was like, "Charlie Howell is taking the Meisner method." So I called him and said, "Charlie, you're taking Meisner?" He goes, "Yeah, I've 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 you know I still want to write, but I think it'll inform my writing, and I I want to broaden my horizons and become an actor. And he's a wonderful actor in this film." And in, in most things that he's done, you know, Carla Collins is hysterical as uh, as as the as the psychic. Uh, she's so funny, funny comedian. And uh, Spencer Breslin is the guy in the chicken costume. Child actor Spencer Breslin. Yep. yep. And really, uh, for, for our amazing our amazing viewers and our amazing guests, Spencer will be coming on to chat more about this. Uh, I believe on the fifteenth of February we have uh, him. That's fantastic. So, well, now we just gotta reach out, reach out, and try to get Charles on the show because that would be like I would be in heaven. I'd be like, okay, and the brain. Oh, I've done it all. I'm good. Yeah. Charlie, no. Charlie, he probably has so many great Gordon Bressack stories, and together they won three Emmys for writing Pinky and the Brain and Animating Axis. So, you know, oh. I, 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 yeah. So together so, we get to kind of bring Gordon back to life with this. Right. You know, doing an out and out Gordon impression. Uh, you know, certainly the character is very much based on Gordon and the creative struggle. Right. So I know uh, before we came live, you, you you and Leo had been talking about some events and cons that you're going to be at. So why, yes. don't we, why don't we give some plugs to those? Um, so all our fine guests that are watching or listening to us later on can maybe get off their butts and go out and meet a legend. Sure. Well, no, <laughs> hardly, but... But, uh, yeah, I'd love to say hi. I'll be in Stockton, California at Stockton Con, uh, February 25th through 27th. And then um, uh, I'm in um, uh, Hill, Hill, uh, Hill, Hill County Hill, uh, Hill Con in Austin, Austin, Texas, uh, the first weekend in March. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's so great to do these cons. Uh, yeah, you know, you make a little money. But. It's a nonstop parade of people who are, you know, coming to tell you what the show meant to them. Uh, I've had people tell them, tell me it got them through bouts of cancer as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, 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 uh, God forbid, a parent passed away, it was their solace. I've had more than one person tell me that when they were in high school, they were being bullied and, you know, they were thinking of ending it and, the show kept them company, brought them a laugh, so they didn't, they didn't do, you know, Inevitable, this yeah. thing. And uh, you know, so to be able to do comedy in any form, animated, live, stand-up, a film like Murder Anyone, entertainment is a rather noble pursuit. I've come to believe uh, it's it keeps us as Stan Lee said it best. He said, you know, it really keeps you from going uh, off the deep end. And yeah, without entertainment, I think I think we'd all, you know, definitely take life too seriously. Mm -hmm. And you know, no one here gets out alive anyway, so we may as well laugh. On that is true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, one hundred percent. Go ahead, Leo. You look like you're rich in. I have a bunch of questions. I just didn't want to take up all the time, but no. And, and we have we still have a few more in the chat, so. We still have about 10 minutes, give or take. Okay. So I will do my best. 
Well, uh, so one big question I have is, uh, I don't know if you heard recently, um, James Gunn did a big announcement for DC yesterday talking about the slate and, uh, you know, how they're going to be managing DC universe going forward. And one of the things that he said actually struck a chord online. He said that um, they're going to keep the uh the animated and the video games and everything all in sync so if an actor plays the character in a movie it's going to be the same actor doing voice acting for the video game and the cartoon uh and one director of uh the upcoming video game said that was a unreal expectation that a lot of actors can't make that transition and i just want to get your thoughts because you've made that transition of going you know uh regular voice acting and then video game voice acting Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there, there there are techniques to both types of acting, uh, you know, and and animation acting and on on camera acting are, are they both they both involve losing yourself in the character and embracing the reality of the scene moment to moment, but um, you know you have to you have to really focus your performance, you know, just here for the microphone in animation, and you know, a lot of the on camera people. They'll forget that and they'll start like emoting around to talking to the character next to them. And it's like, can't do that. You got, I, for me, I, I take the cartoon. I, in other words, the white part of the script is where I project the cartoon and the black part of the, the words I read. So, you know, whether I've got the same cartoon in my head as the, you know, the director and the editors, it, you know, it still serves me to see it and, put my voice in that character's mouth. Uh, you know, doing a live action film like Murder Anyone or Murder Anyone, uh, you know, I had to really bring, you know, put myself in the room. And uh, and so it's a different technique. And yet at the core of it, you just have to be somebody who can lose yourself in a character as seen. Um, so I found it easier to go the other way because Voice acting can also be a little more extreme. You have to do about 10% more because you're only using your voice. Um, so you can't be completely flat. Um, but, you know, it will, it will, uh, it is something that can be achieved, you know. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's too much for a lot of actors. I think, um, I think it can be something that can be taught. Um, but, uh, you know, it's there are people that can do both. There, there are definitely actors that can do both. Uh, Carrie Elwes was wonderful on uh, Pinky in the Brain, and he can, he's a guy that certainly can knows his way around a film set and in front of the camera. And he's become a dear friend of both Rob Paulson's and mine. And uh, you know, it's it's to be it's, it remains to be seen. I'm just sad Henry Cavill won't get a chance to come back and really really do yeah. take another run at Superman and, and uh, you know, have a little more fun with it. And, you know, we've seen enough dark Superman. Yep. We've seen something a little lighter, but yeah, well, it well, <coughs> sounds like they're definitely going a lot lighter um, with the, with the new one. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Yeah. Uh, so uh, go for it. Yeah. John wants to know what advice you would give someone getting into voice acting. Uh, become a good actor first, you know, it's small V, big A, as Rob Paulson and I both like to say. Uh, people, you know, come to us and say, 
Well, I was I was told I have a really interesting voice and I should get into voice acting. And that's great. But can you act? Can you make me believe that these words, you know, are just coming to you, you know, that you're not reading something, you know, it's just, you're, you're in it. Um, so become a good actor. Do all the things. Do, you know, Rob came to uh, voice acting as, as a singer, as, as, a, as, a, as a rock and roll singer. Uh, same with Jess Harnell. Um, you know, uh, uh, Tress McNeil, you know, if I'm just taking my Animaniacs uh, uh, peeps, she came to it from the Groundlings. You know, same with Lorraine Newman, uh, who's a wonderful voice actor. You know, you know, improv training, sketch comedy training, even writing training. I studied with Danny Simon, Neil Simon's brother, for a year, and it changed the way I approach characters because Danny taught, teaches you how to think comedically. In, in the course of writing. And that was very valuable to me, even though I, you know, I don't have the discipline to be a writer. Uh, and I don't mind where do your ideas come from? You know, how long can you make your ass stay in that chair, stare at the white, you know, the flashing, you know, the flashing cursor and the white page in your final draft? That's what makes a writer. And I, those, I just don't have the attention span for it. So uh, to me, that's how Gordon and I became such good friends. I mean, I just have so much respect for writers and, you know, you know, uh, to me, the writer is king. So the fact that a great writer like Gordon Bressack let me hang around with him uh, was uh, it was just so much fun. That's awesome. Uh, when you were first starting out, uh, you opened for Rodney Dangerfield and George Carlin. How how was that? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I mean, George was George was terrific. But I only had like one conversation with him. I was just doing doing a weekend with him at uh, Caesars. But I had uh, I, touring with Rodney Dangerfield for a year and a half was great. Um, Rodney was gen so generous to young comedians. He just he, he he wanted to protect young comedians, so he, he didn't want anybody to go through what he had to go through. You know, he would say to me, he "Goes, you know, man, you know, when I was coming around, man, you know, I played shit joints, man, you know, and I don't want you guys to have to go through that kind of stuff." So you know, so I, I remember going to one one gig in Latham, New York. It was a theater in the round, and they had this giant billboard. Well, it was, it was a billboard that was literally on a, a, a spike, you know, 100 feet in the air. It looked like, like something out of the Jetsons, you know? So it was this thin, 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 thin spike, and then the billboards that faced the, uh, faced the, uh, the highway. And my name wasn't on it, and Rodney went ballistic. He just said, tonight, Rodney Dangerfield. And he went, we pulled in, and he got off the tour bus and went right in. And he started yelling at the theater manager, get that kid's name up there, all right? His job's hard enough without, without you know, them not knowing there's an opening act, okay? And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't. I was saying to his road manager, you know, I don't want him to go to any trouble for me. And then, and then the road manager came and got me about an hour later, and he said, come here. There was a guy on a cherry picker risking his life with a suction cup with M A. You, <laughs> you know. uh, so you know it was it was a it was a ride to be sure. It's open for Rodney all those years. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So I am gonna say we have probably about five minutes left, folks, for everybody watching out there in the interweb. If you have any questions, now's the time to get them up here because we might have time for one or two more before we have to let this amazing gentleman go. So. One anyway. or two more. Anyways, 
either one of my co-hosts have uh, hosted co-hosts. Hosted, hosted, co-hosted. Go for hosted, it, yeah. Co-hosts, yeah. Any either one of you two have have any more questions? Oh uh, yeah, it's gonna come back into my head. Um, oh god, we'll be here. For, we'll cats, be here for a while. You know, I don't want you to. I don't. I, I don't want you to count. You know, the the pinky and the brain stuff, and you know, the I'll say mid eighties up. But before that, what was what was your favorite character to get into? In the early days, because they were different back then. It was. Um, I mean, Egon was great. I loved playing Doctor e Doctor Egon Spengler. Um, um, he was, you know, because he you had to play him deadpan. Um, and I honored, I honored, I honored, honor, honored the Harold Ramis spirit. Um, you know, and probably did more of an impression of him than I should, and yet it probably wasn't so bang on that it would have fooled a member of his family. But, uh, you know, it, it, he was fun to play. Um, you know, in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I played a, a guy named Tomato Guy, and he was uh, he was like a Woody Allen-ish kind of character, and he was always very, tomato! He, he just always spot the Killer Tomatoes. And <laughs> a guy named Zoltan, who was the, the henchman of John Aston. And so he was kind of like where Louis De Palma was placed, you know. And uh, you know, said that the most fun of that though was getting to know Rob Paulson. That's where that's where we met on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes in the nineties, and uh, we discovered our mutual love of all things Monty Python and Peter Cook Dudley Moore, especially the, especially the underground Peter Cook Dudley Moore tapes called the Derek and Clive tapes, where it just filth. Hilarious filth and it totally improvised. After a few drinks, you know, <laughs> get in the recording studio, just hit record and just improvise. So those those things, um, yeah, those are those those are those are big faves of mine. Very cool. And uh, my last question for you is: Do you collect anything? Dust. <laughs> collecting dust. <laughs> You know, I've got some animation art. Some of it's up here in the office. Uh, you know, memorabilia. Um, I, I, you know, but my wife is, you know, doing, doing everything she can to keep me from taking on any more stuff. You know, um, but yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I used to have quite a videotape collection. I had the entire, uh, you know, back when you can when you manually manually recorded things. Mm -hmm. I every episode of the Honeymooners. You know, oh, nice. and uh, you know, I had I had an extensive collection before that stuff ever was available on DVD or home video. So yeah, I have a, a thousand videotapes. They're all in storage now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> my wife me to display my pristine home video collection with all the labels that are peeling off and. <laughs> You can uh, digitize them, and I'm sure a lot of that stuff you probably can't find. Yeah, well, yeah, I probably should have used the pandemic for that. Yep, a lot. I had a lot of time during the pandemic. Right, should have sat there digitizing all my home video, but I didn't. So, <laughs> Leo, yeah, I, well, I'm going to ask a similar question. Uh, so, uh, what do you dork out about? So, so for example, um, we had Bruce Valanche on, and uh, he's he's really big into uh um 
into like sunken vessels and sunken ships and the history of that. Wow. Yeah. Um, what, what is something that other than your career that you, you really dork out about? Like you, you do really any video games? Uh, no, I'm more, um, I didn't know that about Bruce. You know, he, I, I, he, all, he and I almost worked together. My manager was trying to kind of get my, my writing to the next level back in the nineties. Uh, and, and, uh, we, we actually had a meeting with Bruce and cause he was then the hottest writer going. And we just, you know, we just kind of decided that, you know, he, he didn't write for impressions quite the same way that we, you know, he didn't want to write conceptual stuff. He's a good joke writer. And that's what he liked working on. But um, I didn't know that about him. That's 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 so funny. I, I'm a comedy nerd. I love I love to go deep in comedy. Uh, I dork out on anything Python. I dorked out when I met John Cleese. Nice. Uh, I mean, I literally you know chewed my tongue. Uh, you know, and and he was so on a gentlemanly but very unimpressed by me because I just was like, Mr. Cleese, I just want to tell you that he's very tall, so I'm looking up. Uh, you were inspiration to me. So I, Rob Paulson and I, Pinky and the Brain argument sketch. He was just like, very nice, very very nice. Nice to meet you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. You know, and that was it. And he moved on through you know, the party, and I never had a chance to tell him how much he really meant to me. And uh, uh, anyway, I don't know if I'll ever get the chance again. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. And and you know what? I think on that on that note, Leo. Yep, we'll wrap it up. Wrap up. There we go. Cooking, I, cooking, I, cooking, cooking, cooking. I'll just say cooking. cooking. That's the other thing. I'm a cooking nerd. I love cooking shows. I can stay on master classes, all the chefs. That's that's my other big nerd. My nerd out is cooking and little kitchen hacks and things like that. Sous vide. I'm heavily into sous vide right now. Oh. Yes, yes. All right. All right. Now you can wrap up the show, Leo. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. For me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of shows on the network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Matter of fact, we're going to be doing a live show in about 45 minutes, another live show. Uh, so the Dorkening. So just go look for that. And uh, Maurice, uh, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Uh, well, I'm 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 on both Instagram and and Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Maurice Lamarche, all one word, much as it's spelled. There, 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 here. Anyway, M A U R I C E L A M A R C H E, all one word. And then Instagram, I do a very clever thing. I put a hash. I put a an underscore between my first and last name, so it's Maurice underscore Lamarche. And uh, that's where you can see me. That's where you can interact with me. Awesome. And ask me anything, and I may answer you. <laughs> cool. Jeffrey. So first, I want to thank. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank Maurice for joining us. Uh, what a what a ball of fire, man! Love you. And uh, yeah, for us, just go to uh, stilltoken.com. Find us on Facebook at Token with the Dead. Uh, I don't know the Instagram, Twitter bullshit. That's all Ben's crap. I can't. I'm too old to deal with that fucking shit. So go to stilltoken.com. Okay. Benjamin. I don't know, man. I don't know who <laughs> gave him the I don't know who gave him the gummy. I'm sorry. But no, <laughs> like like Jeff said, you know, stilltoken.com is where you can find out everything you want to know about us from. 
the comic book to the novel to the TV series to the potential animation to this show. And we are going to drop this tonight real quick for everybody that stayed here. We still got a ton of viewers. Um, you can start to catch us on Red Coral Universe on every platform out there. Roku, Fire Stick, Google Play, Apple TV. So we're going to be running on Red Coral Universe's OTT coming soon. So, again, thank you to Maurice for coming out and hanging out with us. I mean, I'm, I'm still beside myself. I'm, I got to sit here and talk to the brain. Um, yes. I feel like a kid in a candy store. It's, it's amazing. But to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Hell of a season coming up, folks. You don't want to miss it. Oh, yeah. And, um, Reese, uh, stay with us uh, just uh, 30 seconds. We'll be right back. Thank you.